Welcome to another episode of Rage Game Studios, the podcast. Today we got Mike Sagawa with us. Hey, Mike. Hi, Ray. Hi, Eric. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you, man, for making the time. So tell everybody who you are, excerpts. Right. So um, I'm Mike, and most people who listen to this podcast probably know me as um, excerpts, like Ray said, uh, from Instagram and now on Twitter. And uh, that's spelled X underscore C-E-R-P-T. It's like the worst handle ever, but that's what I came up with. I didn't know I was going to be doing podcasts. So like, that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> what would have been your choice? Like, the... You know, now that I know that my page is called X-Men Are a Family, I probably would have done that. Oh. Just to make it like super clear. Got it. Yeah. Wow, man. That, that has taken off, but we'll get to that in a second want to know where like where did your art background start up like where what's how'd you grow up to be this x-men is family guy oh sure well you know i started drawing when i was like really little and i moved around a lot but it's like the only thing that's ever been constant with me is that i'm just like i sequester myself in a room and draw and then in college i um was uh learning some graphic design programs I got introduced into the Adobe suite and uh, found out about Adobe Illustrator. And, you know, ever since then, it's been my tool. And that was, it was love at first sight. I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is what I'll be drawing in. And so I'm more commonly known these days as a vector artist um, where I'll draw something, I'll sketch it out, and then I'll overlay um, an Illustrator final look on top of it. Um, And... uh, then in college, like I said, I was I was an illustration major, but I was studying graphic design, and um, I moved out to New York actually to you know cut my teeth out there, and I was an artist. I'm like artists need to be in New York. Uh, that was right out after the '90s, and uh, and New York was just starting to change a lot. And um, I got there, and I ended up working in newspaper publishing. Actually, it was my first gig for the New York Post of all places. And, um, you know, got to do a lot of graphic design and hardly any illustration. So that became a trend that, you know, followed me throughout my career where I was doing work that I was, you know, good at, but wasn't really enjoying. So I'd start illustrating on the side and just for fun, just draw for myself. And um, other people would ask me to draw things like I lived with actors and like musicians. So. They would ask me to draw things for their promotional stuff or storyboards. So I had a little bit of, um, you know, getting uh, getting my artistic kicks out while, you know, while learning graphic design for work. And it wasn't until I moved back to Chicago where I, I decided to try to pursue being an illustrator full time and really started using my work for commercial art and for um, marketing and I'd always intended my illustration stuff to be used for editorial. You know, I've always wanted to like supplement an article and Rolling Stones. My illustrations usually centered around fashion or music or superheroes, or I'd combined three. Wow. And so, yeah. That's the dream. That's the dream to be able to like be published and be out there, you know, well, yeah, and the fact is I wasn't, like, I was published through the magazine I worked for at the time, which was a, a B 
B2B travel magazine. So it was not, not a big deal or anything, but I was still doing it. You know, I was, right. I was doing what I wanted to do, but not, it was, it was all manifesting in ways I, I hadn't expected. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was fun. And then, so yeah, that's, um, you know, traveled out to travel back to Chicago after getting to a ton of debt. And I, but I developed an illustration portfolio out here where I did my first book series uh, for children's books because uh, um, through this marketing agency that was publishing a children's book and hooked up with HarperCollins. And, you know, they've done really like just legendary book series of our time um, yeah. to kill a mockingbird, all that stuff. So it was really awesome to be able to contribute to publishing in that way but then um you know the whole series i could have done from anywhere so i just decided to move out to new york there then and um then i pursued uh i'm, I'm sorry not new york to L did i say new york or la la you said new york new york yeah uh, i meant la i already already come from new york and i'm like i'm not going back to new york i can't go back there i was traumatized i was broke i was like but la was a new experience and um that's when I got, uh, you know, the industries out there are totally different. Less uh, this advertising stuff, but I was like, Ugh, I never want to go back into advertising ever again. Mm. And uh, then I got into, you know, uh, into themed entertainment. And then I started working for like some toy companies out there doing packaging design for the first time. And, um, and also uh, live event companies. Um, I never designed that way before. And uh, ended up settling in with uh, <clears throat> this company I'm with now, Baudry Interactive, and we do experiential design. And so I get to use a lot of the illustration skills um, to, you know, to create the assets for the games that we play. Um, but I also get to use the graphic design skills to, like, organize all the information in a really attractive and, you know, just user-friendly way. And so I use both skills now because... Yeah they that, they feed into each other that's amazing you were able to combine both worlds yeah yeah i noticed when i was an art director because i used to in publishing i used to have to um commission artists for feature articles or or um department articles uh -huh. and i noticed a lot of the illustrators weren't <clears throat> they were either really good illustrators but weren't the best designers or they were really good designers but um kind of didn't know how to illustrate if yeah. if I met other graphic designers, <laughs> right. so, so it was kind of like cool to be package. able. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that seems to be what people like about um, when they hire me. They're like, "Oh, you have a skill set that combination that a lot of people don't." It's worked in my favor. Yeah, absolutely. That um, sounds fantastic, you... man. I mean, it's very similar to I majored in illustration too, and I ended up doing graphic design. It's just how it works because you kind of follow where you get paid. <laughs> That's exactly right. How I do mean... you how do you yeah. make a career out of art? And that's always graphic design is kind of how we all fall into it. It's like the easy way to make money or not easy, but I won't say that, but it's the most straightforward way to make money, a steady paycheck. If you're yeah. creative, um, being an illustrator is definitely a less, uh, it's a less forward path. It's very, it, it was a twisty windy road and, I'm still kind of confused. Like, you know, there's like, just cause I did a book series in 2008, it had no guarantee that I'd ever do a book series again because they, they hired me for my style for that story, you know? Right. So it's all arbitrary, you right. know, it's just, yeah. You, yeah it's, it's if they don't the... need that style, they're never going to 
call you again, you know. And every writer wants their book to be different. So then like even even if you can work in multiple styles, like it's kind of they peg hole you, you know, right? That you get yeah, yeah, they pigeon, yeah, they pigeonhole, and like you're exactly right because one a writer's not going to go look at another book being and look at their cover and be like, oh, I want my book to look exactly like that book. You know, right. it's always like I want my book to look like my book. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but as illustrators, that's one of the things that they kind of teach you. You get like enough footing in all these different areas of of art that you can you can work in different styles. But I guess people just see what. What you have most recently up? I think my my biggest advice for that, and I'm going to be talking to a um, a university out here next month about this, and it's just kind of like, you know, you have your own style and you have your own thing. I think a good thing to do is do that thing, but do it for different things. Like, you know, as an illustrator, you can get into different pockets of industry. You can illustrate for sports. You can illustrate for music. You can illustrate for, uh, you know, medical illustrations, you know. You can illustrate fish, you can illustrate boats, you know, so like if you have a diversity in your portfolio that shows a range of, um, you know, that you can communicate visually in that way, then that circumvents the fact that you're like, you know, that you have one style, you know, it shows that you have a, a, a solid style that you can apply on a lot of different things. Wow. That is yeah. amazing advice. Yes. Oh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is like your TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I, when I talk about like my illustration path and it's usually to students, like that's, you know, they're usually looking for solutions because they're about to like present their portfolios for work. They're about to graduate. And I'm like, okay, here's what you got to do. You know? And it's also about like finding people, like making the relationships. It's all about networking as shy as you are as an artist. It sucks to have to do, but it's the reality. It's it's like, you know, it takes a village for anything to happen. So like, you know, and that includes like finding your own footing, your own success, you know, gauging what the market wants, who you're designing for. You know, you have to know who you're creating for to be able to create something. So it's best when you know yeah, it takes that some math. You piece have to of put, information. It, you have to be able to put the pieces together and like uh, accommodate the situation. It's... It's tough being an artist. You have to make it. Yeah, it's These are all issues we all deal with. I mean, even right now, it's like, how do we monetize our, our art? You know, it's kind of like an ongoing thing. But Mike, do you also yeah. teach? You mentioned like bringing this up to the university. Are you a teacher as well? I don't teach, but I get, um, I work with teachers or like the reason I'm speaking in February is because the person that asked me to speak is my ex graphic design teacher from college. Okay. And okay. so it's those types of, of connections or like it would be a friend of a friend from college who was, who is now a teacher and they'd be like, I'm teaching a life drawing class now. Would you speak to my, my graduating students about it? Yeah. Oh, she must be real proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, do you, I mean, yeah, do you, with, do you keep up with different classes? Do you take any figure drawing, um, art classes or anything like that? I don't keep up with classes per se. Like I wish I could do those drink and draw events or whatever that, yeah. um, you know, you just do once a week and I should, I, because like the one time I did do that for fun with some coworkers, I ended up realizing I need to revisit figure drawing or life still still life drawing so my foundations i need to revisit that every so often because you know i'm already 
you know, a hundred yards away with my style that, uh, you know, my style is abstract and can be cartoony and, you know, right. not necessarily, um, representative. So, right. yeah. um, it's always good to do that, but I, for work, I have to consistently be aware of current trends, mm. um, who's, you know, like the you know, artists that are, you know, in the scene now, um, making, making, making waves and, and the influencers of the scene, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, technology moves very fast and, and, oh, yeah. um, yep. solutions just, change not, all the time. Not so. just technology, not, not just the technology, but the trends and like what, what people are interested in, yeah. and what, which is the media, which is, which social media thing is hot at the moment. Like, is it well, even like, um, yeah, the media, like TV shows or stuff, like, for one second, like that, that Loki alligator was the thing. People were making posters and shirts and stuff, and then that lasted like what a week. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, goes in and out, you know. That's you're correct. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> but that's that's when the tried and true stuff come in. So that's like when now you've got these X Men, and now you've gotten developed this whole format where they're family. And you do the deep dives into their pasts and and you collect the, the visual series and like you've made it a whole thing of your own. So regardless of what the trends are, what's happening, like you've managed to do something that's attracting or pulling in crowds just based on that. Because I mean, I go in for the learning. <laughs> like I, I know a lot of these characters. Yeah. So many I don't like you just put up a, a puck series and I was like, what? Where did this lady come from? Yeah. Like, there was like Domino's family. I had no idea she had a little brother. I was <laughs> It's it's all very informative. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so amazing. That's I love hearing that. Thank you so much. That uh, I like. That's what we do for work. My day job. We we create like educational games, and I've started using design as like a strategic tool in my arsenal mm -hmm. to be able to communicate strategically. And so, like with the X Men Our Family series, you know, it's all it's about like you know. The style, I developed a style for the small mobile format. I, mm -hmm. uh, it'll get as large as, you know, whatever iPad you have. Yeah. But it's really for, like, the phone, really. So I'm like, I got to have them communicate in a way where they don't look all muddled and you can just tell the essence of who it is right away. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm going deep into these family connections, like, the, the I love the slideshow feature where you get 10 other slides. Yeah, because it allows you to bring the receipts and just be like, you know, yes. I'm not making this stuff up. This is, <laughs> right. you know, to look yeah. into this yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, but that means that you yourself do all this research. Do you have a large collection of, of X-Men trade or like comics yourself? Honestly, no, because um, when we moved from L.A. back to Chicago, we did a major mm -hmm. purge. We're like we had been I had moved from Chicago to New York, back to Chicago with like 10 boxes of long box comic books. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and then I brought those comics to L.A. <laughs> yeah. And then my boyfriend was like, you know, are you really going to bring these comics back to Chicago now? Like so. And I did. They're back here. But, I, yeah. but we like. But but they're in the basement. I'm like, I need to get rid of them. And then, um, you know, I shredded a bunch of drawings. And I just, I scanned them. I scanned my drawings, so I still have them. But I don't need, like, not everything I do is a Picasso. Yeah. My boss from Disney, he, I used to work at Disney Imagineering. My boss from Disney has saved every single doodle or, you know, scanned sheet that he ever 
made that, like he's Picasso, and I'm like, I know that you're a Disney artist. That's me. Yeah, we save everything. <laughs> and and speaking about it, um, I'm I think I have like eight boxes at my parents' house, and I just I've been living in New York eleven years now, and now I got like about eight boxes here. So starting this year, I decided to transition over to just buy digital comics because I have no more space. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it has to be. Where did you move from? Maryland. Oh, so yeah, much more space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I made use of the boxes. I used those boxes. I, I was too broke to buy a mattress and a box spring, so I put my mattress that's... on top of my 10 boxes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's creative thinking. <laughs> that's, that's actually, I, was, I always thought about having like custom furniture where I can like make the couch. The, the comic could be in, on, in the bottom and people could sit on the comic boxes so that they just yeah. be out of the way and still yeah. serve a purpose. Exactly. There's still a structure. A you table. can stack them. You can set them as a coffee table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can make a little bench. You can like put a back, you, you know, taller boxes in the back. But we need carpenters you, immediately. Where's it? Yeah. Call them up. I, I have trouble getting rid of stuff and that's my issue. But yeah, the purge that. that <laughs> But that's it's all I'm, about I'm, managing your sentimental values, you know. Yeah. You gotta be like willing to let go of some stuff. That's but definitely. I mean, like I said, I scanned them, so it's not like they're gone. They're still yeah. there. It's that uh, condo, Mary, Mary condo. <laughs> Bring what sparks oh, yeah. joy. Bring you joy. Everything brings me joy. <laughs> 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 yeah, that little doodle I got. Yeah, that brings me joy. I, <laughs> I was happy when I did it. <laughs> right could make me happy again in the future let me keep it around yeah so how x-men how'd you get introduced to them so x-men um yeah so that was probably at the end of junior high going to high school my first x-men comic was jim lee's x-men and mm-hmm. uh well i mean my first comic ever was like archie's right i'd get those little digests at the grocery store i used to like read them and before bed and then um, then I would collect, like, other whimsical comics. Like, at the time, my fanship was tur- Turtles and go- Real Ghostbusters. So I was collecting <laughs> those comic books. Yeah. <laughs> Until, and then I got to X-Men, and that's when I was like, oh, these are real comics. Like, this is a real artist, <laughs> like Jim Lee. Yeah. And uh, so, like, when, when I picked that up, I picked up um, X-Force 1 as well. And... I had a really good friend who's now the um, he's he lives in Mexico City and he's now like the the guy that opened up the um, South American offices for Riot game Riot Games. Wow. Uh, they they do League of Legends and so like he's it's funny because he's we both still have like nerd jobs like we're still doing what we, <laughs> we we're passionate about in junior high but just professionally which is really that's the living the dream doing your nerd yeah job. yeah but he introduced me to um, the trading cards, the the Jim Lee trading card set. Oh, I don't know if you yeah. guys have yes, collected that absolutely. one. Yes, yeah. I did. Still got it. Oh, man, yeah. I'm proud of that set. And so, like, he <laughs> he actually, when he moved back to Mexico City, he gave me that set as a present. Oh. And, like, so that was my, like, uh, database for all these characters that I had not known of. So, like, next oh. thing I knew, I was collecting Excalibur, X-Factor, and then I was ordering like um they used to have mail order comics like class uh the old uncanny x-men was reprinted in the classic x-men so i was ca- catching up with old claremont stuff there 
wow. um, all at the same time. So yeah, that was my intro to, and then like in school, I was, I was just obsessed with the Summers family. So I was always doodling them in the corners of my book, my sketchbooks or my, my notebooks. Yes. And reading, I would have comic books re- like hidden inside of my books. So like I would pretend <laughs> to be reading a school book, but it was really X-Men 17. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, is your friend, was your friend involved with Arcane League of Legends? Have you seen that show? On Netflix? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think he does the TV stuff. I think he's okay. just um, managing the the operations for the games. Games, okay. Because that that's yeah. your, was beautifully animated. It was like moving paintings. It was. I hear everyone's talking about it. I really have to watch it. I haven't heard, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's it's really good. It's even just for its artistic thing. It was it was worth a watch. Do you have to like? know the game i don't so know you don't have to know anything about it you don't have to know anything about it your games so you just went yeah. into the series and that was it like it was just on yeah. Netflix and I was like oh, it's there watch it yeah. and there was no you don't need to know right. it explains everything right then and there yeah, it's a good story at the start cool yeah yeah oh, so the summers was yeah, the drawing so once you got once you had the, picked out the summers is there a favorite summers that you kind of gravitate towards or you follow yeah so i'm in love with rachel she is a, a tragic story. I'm not sure what it is about her weird, twisted story that um, made me where she gets to live rent free in my head for the rest of my life. Like, um, <laughs> is it about the fact that she's never like accepted by her family um, and, or the fact that she'll never be born in this timeline? And like her first, uh, you know, interactions with. Scott were painful because she didn't want to tell him that the truth about who she was. And then when she finally met Jean, that was a disaster, you know, and then like ever since then, you know, you've had Cable, you've had X-Men and you've had Hope and everyone gets treated better. And she's still kind of unpopular and doesn't spend as much time with the family as everyone else does. And it pisses me off. And like, (laughs) you know, so like I'm that fan. That's been yeah. waiting like 20 years for Gene and Rachel to have a conversation. And it finally happens in X-Men Red Annual, you know. Um, and that was like literally 20 years in the making. since their last conversation. Yeah, since the was wedding. during Extinction Agenda? Is that when, when did she first meet Gene? It was, it oh, was Franklin Richards. Was, no, it, Days of the, Future Past. Oh, no, day, Days of Future Present, the annual yes, event. The annual Fantastic event. Four. And X Factor. It was kind of like Gambit's, X-Men. Gambit's first appearance. Is that kind of Arthur? Yeah, Allen? I was like, yeah. who's that? <laughs> so many storylines were introduced, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, and I, what I remember are the John Bogdanov drawings of them. And like, he's such a. Oh, man. His expressions, like the way he can portray pain and, and hurt and happiness and like everything through, through his posture. It's body language is incredible. That's that that panel where Scott is just broke emotionally broken down after letting his son go into the future and he just collapses in the sand like that. Yeah, still I can see that raw in my head and that moment. But even Art Adams like that whole his whole style. I was it was an awakening for me. I was like, oh, my God, what is this style? Arthur Adams is brilliant. Like that guy. And even his earlier stuff, I guess when it wasn't so polished, was, I don't know, something about it being looser was awesome. Like yeah. the whole 
the ex babies like that that book when they first appeared and like all the all the work he did before there was just that x men one with the graduating costumes like he just oh he, the graduation costumes yeah that uh, yeah that uh is the it long shot series do... the long shot series yep yep yeah and that Ileana graduation costume the the my favorite one is the red mask with the red um cropped top and the black leggings uh, that that's was, one of my that favorites. Was, don't get me. Don't oh, get that's me Brett the Booth. History. That was, that, no, was no. <laughs> that was later. That was not Brett Booth. Uh, what's his name? Brett Blevins. Yeah, yeah. Blevins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another. Yeah, you're right. Oh no, I'm guy. thinking of the one, the hood where she. Yeah, no, Art Adams was the one with the where she wears a hood and uh, looks more magician like. Yeah, she's got like a white hood on with a pink. They all had pink masks for some reason. I don't. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, all the digging. See, this is the kind of stuff that you go onto your onto your account for. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, re- just exactly. Refresh and remember all of these things. My account is really for me to get out all the X Men like things that live in my head and just like just purge them and and like let other people deal with them. <laughs> and <they do. laughs> it's it's working. It's working because it's, it's great. It's yeah. great to keep going back to. Yeah, great. That's awesome. I had no idea that people would ever want it to keep continuing because I was like, this is going to get boring, right? But people yeah. seem to really love, like, just there seems to be a big appreciation of getting to know lesser known characters these days. Um, yeah. And I think that's helped by a lot of the podcasts that we're listening to and people like talking about their favorite characters or Twitter sphere or Instagram sphere. Um, I see a lot of people drawing a lot of the same characters, um, you know, the popular ones, Storm. Or like sexy Colossus, or you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so it's always cool. There's this guy on Instagram, Marvel Tales. Uh-huh. I love his stuff or their stuff. Um, like it's all about making Marvel characters into animals. So it's all these animal versions of 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 characters, I I and I feel they I feel like, like they look like bugs and, and butterflies and all kinds of like yeah. What, sometimes he does bugs. Sometimes he does. They're like real looking animals in costume. Yeah. yeah, the illustrations are serious. They are seriously like depicting animals, and I don't know what this guy does for a living, but I mean, he nails it every time. <laughs> it's either like he's repli- he'll replicate like a cover or uh yeah or like a costume, and then he'll like do it in his style with the animals. And I feel like I'm living in a Excalibur world where I'm I've just done a cross time caper, and and everything is a whole is an animal now instead of a, a human. I'll be like, and I totally accept it too. My brain's like, yep, yep, that owl, the that owl, Captain Britain, that totally happened. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, there's a Swan Betsy now. There's a Swan Betsy. There's a Frog <laughs> Thor. I mean, we're getting it all. Yeah, and then you also did a big thing on the Instagrams. You made that whole swimsuit issue happen. Like you, you brought that back, dug it up from the from yeah, the yeah, and that's probably where you saw your first Marvel Tales. That's when I met all you guys. Like you guys were, um, you know, all had volunteered to be part of the project, and it was like just it was like twenty twenty, and uh, summer was ending, and you know, um, I actually don't know what started it. I just decided it would be funny to do a spoof off of it, and then I was washing dishes one day, and it got such a response that I was like, you know what? I would love to see what other people do um, in the swimsuit thing. And that's when I put out the invite. And then I was like, ooh, I wonder if I could get the drag cosplayers in on it. Because, like, Demanda Martina, Martini does all my favorite, like, you know, uh, nerdy cosplay. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, then she, uh, you know, volunteered to be part of it. And I, and so that became like a whole thing where I was getting different mediums of, of um, people and contributing I, ideas for the swimsuit issue. <laughs> and yours. Yeah, yours was hot. Did you, <laughs> did you, how many total do you remember? So it was over 82 artists total and over like 100 pieces, wow, I man. think. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. That was and a big event. It was big and people kept joining at the last minute. And so like, I was like, all right, but and like the programming I set up for it, I was, you know, I, I planned it out and it was, it looked like I would have had to, my job was to post um, uh, 10 to 15 of the illustrations a day. Uh, so that people get a show as they're perusing Instagram, either like, you know, while they're multitasking at work or after work or whatever. So you got like a new post in the morning, throughout the day, at night, and you got a good night post at the end. Look at, look at and you. it was usually That's... something more naughty. Wow. You got it. <laughs> you got to figure it out, man. Yeah. Algorithm's a bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, I work for entertainment, so there's always programming. So I'm like, I want it to be entertaining for you guys. Like, so I'm like, all right, I got to set it up in a way where it's kind of like a game for people mm-hmm. to be able to enter whenever they want and can play whenever they, you know, they feel like. That's yeah. fantastic. That was a fun event, right? That was very cool. Very. To see. <laughs> and it was like, what, what if I didn't have work, I would totally do it again. What can you do that? It was a matter of like, what can you do that wasn't done in the past with these swimsuits? And it was. A part of it to me was the the different types of bodies because originally everybody was beautiful, you know. Everybody had these chiseled figures, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna do egg." Because <laughs> you sure tired. did. <laughs> you egg you turned some balls. heads with egg. <laughs> egg and his gold balls. <laughs> it was Absolutely. beautiful, and I love that. Like Beefcake Boss, you know, people were asking for body positivity, so you know, Beef, Beefcake Boss came up. Yeah, did a whole piece of just like you know, other types of body types to feature those characters. And one of my, the covers for the spectacular issue was, was what's her name from ecstatics, you know, fat's daughter. And she loves her body. You know, she, she always had body pride. So I thought she would be, she was perfect to feature. And, and then you've got characters like Taki, you know, I design for theme entertainment for live experiences for location based experiences. And I have to make sure or we have to make sure as a team that like, you know, we're designing so that everyone can play. Accessibility is uh, a, f- a factor. So you got to design for able-bodied people, people with different needs, people with different reading comprehensions, different languages, so tall people, short people, big people, small people. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's, so I, I wanted Taki to be able to play too. So like, you know, he had his own um, swimsuit finale there. And in his in his piece was, you know, I put in the background like Leech and Artie and Forge with his robotic leg. And, you know, so like, you know, I just, you know, it was all about inclusivity. I wanted everyone in the community to play. I wanted everyone in the community to feel good yeah. about it. And everyone was super horny at the time too, because, you know, like the uh, the uh, the pandemic and everyone was trapped in quarantine, so it was a good, whole, almost wholesome way to get your your, your out. feelings out. <laughs> yeah. Creative juices, yeah. out there. literally, yeah, flowing, uh, flowing juices. It was so shiny. <laughs> yeah, all over your faces. Yes. <laughs> You said working. What do you? So what's on? What's on now? Like what's? 
projects? Where can you, where can we get stuff that you make? Um, well, so like for my day job stuff, some stuff is out. Um, there's stuff I can't talk about cause it's in development, but like the last big thing we did was, um, well, the last big well-known thing we did was, uh, Sesame street land at, uh, SeaWorld Orlando. And so we designed like, like over 10 interactives for people to go play at, at one point. Um, they did better than the rides. Um, we were looking at the data that, you know, theme parks, you know, are infusing in interactivity with them now and people aren't just relying on like waiting in line for rides now they can do stuff while they wait in line for the rides so you know we gauge the success rate of like how our interactives do how fun they are and then also um but on the side i also do uh children's book illustrations still so i'm doing a book series right now called z files um and that's for a tween girl demographic but uh, it's, it's open to everyone. Like the book series has a mixed race girl. She has ADD issues. Her friend is gender fluid. They live in London. There's all sorts of. That sounds um, awesome, man. We're uh, going to have to get all the details. Yeah, a lot so we can... of entry points. We're gonna have to get yeah, all there's details. a lot of good things for people to want to read about in these books. A lot of good messages. Definitely going to have people get connected to that. Like we need a list of the links. We need all the links to get that. The Z files are sure. fantastic. So definitely yeah, it's included. only sold at Target, so it's super easy to find. And Targets are popping up everywhere. So hopefully, yeah, they will are be they? easier to find now. There's, there's smaller Targets. There's a, there's a one pop. Oh, those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a Express Target. <laughs> they're all over the place now uh, in Manhattan. Yeah, they're popping up a lot. Oh, my the- God. It used to be so exciting when Targets would pop up in certain areas in New York. Yeah. Like, I always <laughs> wanted one in Brooklyn. I'm like, why don't we have a Target out here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now they do. I mean, they're not all amazing. They're not like some of them because mm-hmm. they're target. When you think of target, you think like a parking lot. You think like this massive empty space with like tons of stuff and like where they build this huge structure and there's everything you can find in it. And these are like smaller. <laughs> they're like they're like supermarkets. They got food and shampoo. They really have the space for it. It doesn't, but they're trying. <laughs> they have. Well, at least trying. you got the convenience they, items. Yeah. Yes, that's. I guess that's what they're going for. Yeah, but they're popping up, so I'm sure maybe people will be able to get Z files even easier. Yeah, yeah. Z files, Z E E files, right? Yeah, it's spelled Z E E. Her whole name is Mackenzie, but everybody calls her Z. Gotcha. Perfect. Oh man, so now it's been such a pleasure, man. Like this is, you're awesome. (laughs) Thank you for making. Oh, thank you. Seriously, Mike, it's Thank been you. a pleasure talking to you. This is great. You got a lot of info. Thank you so much. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get. Uh, is there where people can follow you on social media? Do you have like a shop you want to share to the folks out there? Like I said earlier, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at um, excerpts x underscore c e r p t s. And uh, the page is a lot easier to remember. It's X-Men Are a Family. And um, the sh- I also have a shop associated to that uh, that's on, I have a Redbubble storefront as well as a Public storefront. And um, you can find me under the same name, although there's no underscore, it's just excerpts without, with no underscore. Okay. Um, so you can get some stickers from there, or, uh, some t-shirt stuff. Yeah, cool. We'll yeah. uh, we'll definitely put all those links up on in the description. But 
Again, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you awesome. so much for talking to us today. Go back to shoveling. Thank you for having me. <laughs> all right. So this week in comics, all the X titles, I guess I've kind of... They're all... After Inferno, but they did release a one-shot, a, a little mini-series, and now this whole Wolverine event. How, how excited are you for these, Ray? <laughs> it's hard for me to say that I'm excited. I, I, I'm actually more excited for the Sabretooth series that's supposed to come soon. Really? But I wasn't expecting these. Huh? I'm surprised. I I didn't peg you as a Sabretooth, like, interester. <laughs> it's not so much Sabretooth. It's about the hole. Like, I want to know what happened in, in the hole. Like, what was they Sabretooth doing? All... He's been down there for, I don't know, a year? I don't know how long. In Krakowin time. Krakowin he's been time, exiled. He's been there for 10 minutes. <laughs> so I want to read that one just to see what happened down there. This whole... I don't know. These these events kind of have nothing to do with what's happening on Krakoa. I feel like with these X titles, they're just kind of like filling the space in between until yeah. they release the actual titles we're actually waiting on. Right. Um, first, we'll discuss X-Men Black Knight. This was a one shot. Um, it falls under the death of Doctor Strange. Uh, what do you call that? Crossover or Event. event yeah that event um and instead of going like through a big in-depth thing of each issue we're just gonna quickly say some highlights and then move on to the next i think um, so what we first need to say about this yeah black knight x-men is that the people need to know that you are in an l what is this <laughs> long distance relationship with Siberia. And he's your new favorite. So we're reading this in honor of of Sai. <laughs> so I, I, I fell into, well, I didn't even, actually, I'm still waiting on this trade, um, Way of X, which Sai wrote. Um, I, I read, a, a, I think, an issue from you. I think I read them from you and maybe some digital. Um, but yeah, I've been waiting for this trade to come out. I think it comes out February. So Sai wrote this five-issue miniseries along with um, the artist Sergio Davila. And it was right up my alley because it was like, you know, about knights and, and um, fantasy stuff. And I don't know anything about Black Knight. And then, you know, after this showed up, then he showed up in um, Eternals. So I guess Marvel's getting ready for it, right? Well, the Black Knight series I read, because I knew this Black Knight X-Men thing was happening. And you had it, and you shared it with me, and I finally got to it. And I like I liked what he did. I like the how he's switching up the myths of Camelot, where they're changing it into how Merlin schemed and went through the history of it and, you know, selected the good parts so he wanted the people to remember what he what he didn't want them to remember and like that that's what's become the legends of Camelot and King Arthur. Yeah. And they're all skewed. And then now what we remember it all. And also because I want to know how this is eventually gonna relate with Ex Excalibur or yeah. Knights of X. Because yeah. you know, I didn't know about Mordred and things right. like that. So now it, he's he's a mutant 
And yeah. now, so Merlin made these items with the out of this ebony stone. So there was a shield, a dagger, a chalice, and the sword. And Mordred in this series melts everything but the sword down into a crown. He puts it all together, puts it all on his head, and he's got this crown where he can control minds now. So then from there, Dane Whitman is the hero. He gets the crown, he, but he repurposes it, and he turns it into something else. And it, it becomes the siege, or the, it's a chair. It's a seat. It's a wooden chair with wooden with a it's a wooden chair with metal pieces kind of haphazardly attached to it with some kind of welding. So it's not a pretty seat. It's not ornate at all. It's not very fashion forward or a great decoration, but it's I guess it just serves a function. And yeah. it's it's just interesting because then once we get into the Black Knight event with the X-Men, this one one shot situation. He's in the siege and his daughter is holding the sword and they share the title now. And it's an interesting dynamic. So I'll give yeah, I like Cy Spurrier's way of redefining things. And how back to the series, did you find Elsa Bloodstone like a good cameo? <laughs> Elsa's fun. Elsa's always fun. And Cy Spurrier likes to add jokes he's yeah. like one, yeah. one thing with his writing is like you can always he's got this, this, this blah, 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 blah. one thing with his writing is he's got this like sarcastic tone that that like resonates like you hear in the characters and it's, it's definitely his voice in there <laughs> i like i recognize it now and yeah. uh sum everything up at the end of this series um it, it turns out that um Jax chopra is actually Dane's daughter and they were they're gonna split the responsibility of being the Black Knight they're gonna share the mantle and um, that's how that ends and now we move on to the X-Men Black Knight one shot yeah they're already they this is kind of like their first mission together they're, they're doing their thing they're, she's well actually her first mission out in the field and he's kind of directing her or giving her in, insight or intel um, right, their first mission together. Yeah. So she's comes across this place. There's this dark thing happening. He figures out what it is because now this siege, the seat, is giving him information and is showing him the past and the history of events that that can help him solve this particular problem. Yeah, and again, it goes back to Merlin. Merlin's shady ass. <laughs> but the thing, so I really like what he did here in the fact that the sword had a purpose and the stone, like the whole story of the sword and the stone was always uh, like King Arthur, whoever can pull the sword out of the, out of the stone will is be, the king, of will be the king. And he's it's Excalibur and Excalibur is awesome. And, but Excalibur was serving a purpose because the stone was holding back this, this great evil. And once the sword was taken yeah. out, Inside the stone was holding back this evil, yeah, that they called the Hungry Land. So as soon as Arthur pulled that out, that unleashed this Hungry Land, and then Merlin somehow took that stone and forged it into what we know as the Ebony items. That's where that stone came from. Yeah, 
So I mean, wow, he's he's brought it all back. <laughs> he's doing he's doing really interesting things. I'll, I'll give him that. Sai, Sai's on it. It was interesting. I liked it. Yeah, and then they they show this character. I don't know any of these characters, by the way. This is my first time reading about them. But what do you know about Faiza? I don't know Faiza at all. I just I know that she's and she's the one wielding Excalibur, Excalibur now. Yeah, she's she's wielding Excalibur. But anyway, so they go to London. There's this this hungry land thing takes over all of London and cases it in evil and creates people into demons. And the X Men were just there fighting what seemed like demons, I guess. <laughs> and then the the land kind of takes over the all the X Men. They become these oversized demon possessed beings and that's that's where the black knight and Faiza are called to to try to stop the situation it's like well the x-men are warped by this magic by this dark magic and become these other characters with different names and di- and exaggerated abilities like sync and rogue become the, these twins that have just absorbed life and all kinds of it was interesting what i did with them also but then the way they defeated this hungry place the was hungry even, land hungry <laughs> land i, I wish even, it had a better name <laughs> <laughs> well it was interesting because basically jacks had to jump in the way of excalibur and let herself be stabbed by it right because the person who's holding the dark sword or the, the, the ebony blade yeah can't die while they're holding the blade like they'll be resurrected immediately or it's, it's I guess depending on the wound, because at one time Dane was decapitated and it took a minute. Yeah. So, but Faiza can m- manipulate things at the molecular level. So she was rearranging Jack's organs and stuff so that she can heal and not die from having a sword impaled through her chest. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the the sword and the stone recreated. Yeah. With, with Jack's and Faiza. <laughs> yeah, so the Excalibur is put right in through right into the stone again, which is like whatever this ebony energy is, and so yeah, so they 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 saved the world that way. All London is okay. All the X Men return back to normal, and then at the end of it, as as the X Men are leaving in their what is this, the Blackbird? The you, you hear a conversation with um, you hear a conversation with Jean telling think that oh did you sense that did you feel it i didn't want to tell her yet just because she's been through so much and the last thing they say is that Jax is a mutant so and, um we'll see yeah yeah is she gonna be a knight of x like I, I don't know where this is all going like are they all working together i know thing because it'd be it'd nice be- to read about something more than just betsy in knights of x absolutely and tie all this other world merlin and arthur story and now that i know mordred and what he could do and why everybody don't like him and i was like yeah i wouldn't like him either he's a jerk yeah 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 so it was a good one shot a good read i thought from... yes learn 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 some things it was interesting yeah. next we're going to talk about devil's reign x-men where um i guess this is a tie-in with daredevil's world and um here, Wilson Fisk is now mayor of New York City. And runs all the heroes out, all the just vigilantes. Anybody who doesn't get paid to for the by the city, like a cop, is a vigilante. So they he wants them all out the X Men, the Avengers, Fantastic Four, and he's sending out his Thunderbolts to take care of them. 
Basically, he wants the X-Men out of Seneca Gardens. He wants to evict them. <laughs> Tells him, <laughs> you gotta go. Get out of here. <laughs> but Emma steps in and she's like, she figures out a way to technically let them be. <laughs> like she, she uses the law against him and she that pisses him off. So goes to the UN, uh, talks to Leland and they work something out. And as we're back in Seneca Gardens, we got like, we got US agent and the Thunderbolts. They're like, things are heating up between them and the X-Men and Emma shows up in the last minute <laughs> saying, Hey, we got this official documents that, you know, these maracas you won't touch like they are <laughs> <laughs> they are protected by the un um oh the X-Men are did you catch that movie. interesting exchange between rogue and rhino who knew that yeah. rhino were like bffs well they were, they were gambling in the maraca right the... i mean that was a while ago but even before that when when was that established the rhino only, only at that connection point. they they play they gamble together they they play cards together poker they play poker together. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but somebody, you know, it's nice that Jerry Duggan remembers that. Yeah, <laughs> true. Jerry Duggan's a writer. Phil Noto's an art on this. Is the artist, and uh, it's interesting because it, they bring you in in the past and they show you the kind of how Emma's associated with Wilson Fisk, and it's because of the favor shield. She started up. She, I guess, she needed to start somewhere, and it was working for Kingpin. That was one of the. He did favors for him. She, she wanted to hide Lord Chantel, for example. Lord Chantel wanted to escape the Black King, Sebastian Shaw, and Emma was like, well, you can get a job here. She knew Wilson would like at least pay her, but he ended up taking care of her anyway, as long as Emma continued to help him out. And this is an example of what Emma used to do for him, where Electra, when she worked for him, would kill people that he needed dead. Emma would just convinced them <laughs> convinced them telepathically when he didn't need them dead if there was still someone who would serve a purpose for him but wasn't agreeing with him she'd go handle that so it was we'll see we'll see where it goes i'm yeah. interested right it's a five issue miniseries so get ready ray <laughs> <laughs> more <laughs> yeah, tell me more <laughs> make it kingpin <laughs> And then lastly, we'll discuss the X. Okay, right. X lives of Wolverine or the 10 lives of Wolverine? How? The 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine. So that's how, how it's said? I, that makes sense to me. Thank you for clarifying. Because I know like it was powers of 10 and... House of X. House of X, right? Yeah. Instead of powers of X. <laughs> I'm going to stick to 10. 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine. So for the next what 10 weeks we're having an issue of wolverine whether it's the 10 lives or the 10 deaths coming out weekly alternating taking turns yeah telling the stories of wolverine time traveling with omega red fighting omega red in the past here we have a scene where um we see xavier's parents and um <laughs> yeah uh, his mother's giving birth to him and Cassandra and Omega Red infiltrates the gardener. Then he goes in and infiltrates by infiltrates. You mean like takes over their body and like, yeah, it possesses them. But question for you, Ray, because I know you love my questions. Why can't <laughs> Omega Red possess Xavier's father or mother? 
because they're not willing to make, they're not going to be willing to kill the baby. If his whole uh, mission is to kill these to kill Xavier when he's born, I don't know. I think that you should take that up with Jerry Duggan. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. He's not writing that. Oh my gosh. No, he's not writing. That. <laughs> it's Benjamin Percy. You should call he's... Benjamin Percy and be like, dude. You didn't need to write a whole story. You could have just made his mama get possessed by uh, Omega and Red, and you would have ended we, in one issue. You would yeah, have you need. <laughs> That's why. That's <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, th- then we shift to the future where like Omega Red infiltrates Krakoa by like knocking out Egg and crossing through the Krakoan gate to like see what resurrection protocols they have on him. Beast had done a lot of shady, questionable stuff. things, in the, all in the name I'm of. You, I think this Beast is Dark Beast. I find him shady as hell, and I'm not even reading X Force. From what you and Miguel have told me, <laughs> it sounds like it's Dark Beast. I think that he's decided that there has to be this uh, this other part of government that has to exist because they're. There are things that need to be done that aren't pretty, and he's so going to be the one to do it. That role, yeah, he's, he's going to be the bad guy, bad guy Chun Li. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to be the one to do the things that nobody else is willing to do for the sake of Krakoa. Because like sometimes you got to get ugly, and yeah, he's the he's the one because nobody else is everybody else is too nice or a villain. <laughs> I think that he doesn't trust anybody's intentions but his own. Yeah, a thing about the gate, like. I find it hard to believe that it would just let two people go through. I mean, isn't Omega Red a mutant anyway? Wouldn't he just yeah. be able to go through? Yeah, he can. All right. I guess you just need an egg for a ticket in. No, he didn't need egg at all. He just wanted to get... Egg was in the way. He wanted to go into oh. the chamber and look up the information. <laughs> he needed... In order to get to where... What he needed his face for, <laughs> recognition... Was to get into a space where only the five can get into. And not really about the gate so much as like this particular doorway is accessible only by the five. Right. That's what I gathered from that. Yeah. <laughs> so what what did Beast say? He who was complaining that we don't want to resurrect this guy? The five. And the five that they, like they didn't want to do what he wanted them to do to him. He wanted them to implant this like to, to so, be able to him, so that he can spy on the powers, spy on Dracula, spy on the vampires, and so he's like he's a he's a secret agent and he doesn't know it. Like he's he's behaving as a way for the X Men or X X Force beasts to know what's happening with him when he's not on Krakoa. Mm. So oh, and th- do you think this is how they're gonna get to Rasputin? And uh, he. He might be how Omega Red is teleporting through time. I don't know. He can, he can control reality. So yeah. I don't know what what the Russians are doing. It seems like from what I notice here that the the Russians kind of have two governments. They have the mutant government and the not mutant government. The human. <laughs> and the, the president of the non-mutant sector is compromised. So maybe Mikhail is doing some stuff there too. I don't know. But he's... He's in power. He's, he's doing a lot of things. Like he's messing yeah. with Colossus. Colossus is on the Quiet Council now. That's gonna. I, I'm looking forward to that happening. Whenever that reveal is coming, because I mean, he made Colossus kill his girlfriend. So we'll see what else we can make Colossus do. 
his girlfriend was a mutant or a human? Mutant. She was a purple waterbender. Okay. Hmm. I'm not reading X Force, so I don't know. It's this okay. was all in X Force. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Wolverine is too, right? So yeah. I guess this this kind of ties in with X Force. And it's all written by Benjamin Percy, so it's all like. Oh, uh, I see. So basically, this title is just X Force continued. <laughs> X Force and Wolverine continued. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All he does is save baby Xavier. At the end of this, like baby Xavier is the one that's being hunted by Omega Red. And he's he, he saved him this time. And at the end of it, Gene is like, okay, his consciousness is teleported to another point in time where he's like part of Weapon X and he's with Maverick and Sabretooth. And they're on a mission and he kind of blanks out and wakes up again in this in this time and he's like, Whoa, what's going on? Gene manifests to him. She shows up and tells him, okay, Xavier's this far away. You got to go save him now. And that's how it ends. Like you got to, with with each. This is what, yeah, with each issue, it's just going to be Wolverine saving Xavier because Wolverine was alive throughout his whole lifetime. Yes. That's the takeaway. (laughs) So because he was already in these timelines. Yeah. His future mind can right. go into these past bodies of himself kind of like in uh there's a future past days, exactly yeah 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 where he yep exactly that exactly that was what they did took the movie and they put it in the comics into this mini series wow and that's it <laughs> good job B. yeah <laughs> well I don't. I already know. Do you know what's coming out this week? Yeah, I know that the Marauders Annual is coming. Okay. I'm curious about that with the new team and the new creative team. Okay. And X Men, the new X Men issue. Seven X Men Seven. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll catch you guys next week, and yeah, we'll review these other titles and maybe these again because there'll be another Wolverine. <laughs> Oh yeah, that too. (laughs) Death of Wolverine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Till next time, guys. All right. Bye bye. Bye.